Welcome. Together we're going to explore our personal finances and figure out how to improve them. Whether you're just getting started in life on your finances or you may already have a home and a car payment and you're struggling to get credit cards under control or you're getting a later start in life on saving for retirement. ReduceDebtIncreaseWealth.com is a podcast to educate those to improve personal finances whether it's eliminating debt or making smart investments. Mr. Chuck here. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about how to calculate your net worth and why you should know it, tax planning, estate planning. These are all personal finance categories that I haven't touched on yet, so that's going to get it done in this episode. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on any one category because it'd be boring, so I'm going to put them all in one one big boring episode. Reduce debt, increase wealth. Why did I name my podcast that? Well, because if you take reduce your debt, you're going to increase your wealth. So what is a net worth and how you calculate it? I have this article from the simpledollar.com financial wellness how to calculate your net worth by trent ham there's plenty of net worth calculators and software that can help you calculate your net worth but to get the most out of the numbers you should be really able to calculate net worth on your own this requires some understanding of what net worth is so let's start there What does net worth mean? In a nutshell, your net worth is everything you own of significance. Your assets minus what you owe in debts, your liabilities. Assets include cash and investment, your home and other real estate, cars or anything else of value you own. Liabilities are what you owe on those assets, including car loans, mortgage and student loan debt. Debt. Net worth is a measure of your financial health because it basically basically says what you should have left over if you sold all your assets to pay all your debt. Every financial you move should you make should be aimed at increasing your net worth. This means either increasing assets or decreasing liabilities, and that's why reduce your debt is going to increase your wealth wealth and net worth is one and the same thing that's why i named my podcast that and then there i have a video here that you can listen to how to calculate net worth well it's fairly simple you make a list of all your assets and their estimated value so you just make a spreadsheet or piece of paper list down everything that you own including bank accounts savings accounts your retirement accounts, uh, any children's college savings account that you have. You write them all down and you total it up. Step two, make a list of all your debt. And if you've been following my podcast and you set yourself up a budget, you should know from month to month your outstanding balances on all your debt. That includes all your credit card debt, your student loan debt, 
your car loan debt and your mortgage on your house and your line of credit. You take the two numbers, you take your assets, subtract from that your debt, and the end result is your net worth. So if you're younger and you're just getting started out in life and you borrowed money to have a car and you got a couple credit cards and you you got an outstanding balance on the credit cards, there is a good chance that you're going to have a negative net worth. And don't worry, a negative net worth generally comes around somebody who is younger in life, hasn't been working that long, and hasn't been able to save up any money or even to build up an emergency fund. And yes, an emergency fund will increase your net worth. There you go. There's a number one reason. How can you make your net worth bigger? Well, the first thing is to reduce your spending and pay down your credit card debt. Uh, we already covered that. Another thing would be if you own a home, the value of your home is going to go up in value over time, while your mortgage is going to go down and down and the balance is going to go down over time. So you're going to be adjusting that on both sides of the ledger. The value of the house going up, the amount you owe going down. As long as you don't keep refinancing and borrowing more money. How often should you calculate your net worth? Remember, it tells you how you're doing in life. I say every three months or six months, if you already have a budget set up, you're working on uh, a debt reduction plan, it's not going to happen overnight. So maybe once a quarter, every three months or every six months, you figure out, you just look at what your balance is on your loans and look what you have, subtract the difference. And that gives you, compared to a previous calculation you did three months ago or six months ago and see if your net worth went up. That's how you can track what's going on. More net worth resources, mint.com, net worth workout, total money makeover. Next, I'm going to be talking about tax planning. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, just like the net worth calculation. It's fairly simple and straightforward, but I'm not going to waste you know time, but it needs to be covered. So you should have a general understanding of what it's about and what's going on. Tax planning. If you use a tax professional to prepare your taxes every year, they're most likely doing some type of tax planning for you. If they're giving you advice on to adjust your withholdings, that's tax planning. That's step one. You don't want to pay in more than what you owe, and you don't want to owe a whole lot of money when you file your return once a year in April of every year. If you're getting a refund of more than two or three thousand dollars every year and you're relying on that money, that's not good. You need to adjust your withholdings down. Your refund should be around five hundred dollars a year or less. Zero would be best. And you can use that money. You get additional money in every paycheck. You can use that money to pay off your credit card debt, to build up your emergency fund. So you're just wasting it you're just slowing down your goals by paying in way more than what you need to be paying in 
So this is tax planning for beginners, six tax strategy concepts to know from the nerdwallet.com article, taxes, tax planning. The first thing you need to know is your bracket. How key tax idea work, what records to keep, and basic steps to shrink your tax bill. Tax planning is an analysis and arrangement of a person's financial situation in order to maximize tax breaks and to minimize tax liabilities in a legal and efficient manner. Tax rules can be complicated, but taking some time to know and use them for your benefit can change how much you end up paying or getting back in April. Here are some key tax planning and tax strategy concepts to understand before you make your next money move. 1. Tax planning starts with understanding your tax bracket. You really can't plan for the future you don't know where you are today, so the first tax planning tip is to get a grip on what your federal tax bracket you're in. And this is only referring to your federal return, and we're not talking anything about your state return. But you should also tax plan at the state level also. The U.S., the United States have a progressive tax system. That means people with higher taxable incomes are subject to higher tax rates, while people in lower taxable incomes are subject to lower tax rates. There are seven federal income tax brackets, 10%, 12%, 22%, 24%, 36%, 35%, 37%. No matter which bracket you're in, you probably won't pay that rate on your entire income. There are two reasons. And what they're saying here, if you got enough income and you're in a 22% tax bracket, you're not paying taxes on 22% on the entire amount of income. The first bracket of 10% is applied to a portion of your taxable income. Then once you exceed that limit, then the 22 or the 12% is applied to the next portion that of your income that falls within that bracket and then once you exceed the 12% limit then you're in a 22% bracket and most people refer to the highest tax bracket when they're talking about what tax bracket they're in okay and then it goes down and explains what i just said and it gives you an example. And the tax brackets vary. The first one stops at $9,875. And then the next one goes up to $40,125. And then you're in the 22% bracket and, and everything up to what your income. And the example of this was $50,000. Number two, the difference between tax deductions and tax credits an important concept. Tax reduction and tax credits may be the best part of preparing your tax return. Both reduce your tax bill, but in very different ways. Knowing the difference can create some efficient tax strategy that reduces your tax bill. Tax deductions are specific expenses you incurred that you can subtract from your taxable income. 
they reduce how much of your income is subject to taxes. Tax credits are even better. They give you a dollar for dollar reduction in your tax bill. A tax credit valued at $1,000, for instance, lowers your tax bill by $1,000, assuming you have a tax liability greater than $1,000. Tax deductions are mortgage interest deduction, medical expenses, contributions made to your IRA or 401k, which is referred to as an adjustment to your income, but it's still a tax deduction. So you take your gross income, you subtract money that you contribute to your retirement plan, and then you would subtract your mortgage interest, your state and local income taxes. These are deductions that the feds are giving you because you have to pay them to somebody else. And it's also a way they can uh, encourage people to buy homes. Just a note here on tax deductions. If you're paying $10,000 in mortgage interest, it's not going to be a dollar-for-dollar deduction in your income taxes. You're not going to lower your taxes by $10,000. You're going to lower your taxable income by $10,000. So if you're in a 22% bracket, you're only going to get an assume that the $10,000, when you subtract that from your income, you're still in a 22% bracket. The $10,000 is only going to save you 22% of the $10,000 or $2,200. I would rather pay $5,000 in mortgage interest and not worry about reducing my taxes by $2,200. It's a lot better to pay less mortgage interest than it would be to reduce your taxes. That's my opinion. Talk to any tax professional about that, and I'll probably tell you something similar to that. Difference between tax deductions and tax credits. Tax deductions are specific expenses you incur that you... Oh, we already covered that. Tax credits are better. Yeah, okay. Taking the standard deduction versus itemized. When I said that your mortgage interest, your state and local taxes, medical expenses, charitable contributions, those are itemized deductions. You can do either or. You can take the standard deduction, which the government gives you, and everybody gets that as a minimum deduction. Or you can take an itemized deduction if you can come up with more than what the standard deduction would be. So you take the greater of, either or, not both. The standard deduction, if you can't exceed it, or itemized deduction, if you can exceed the standard deduction. As your mortgage gets paid down, or you refinance a mortgage into such a low interest rate, and you're not paying all that interest on your mortgage, over time, that standard deduction is going to become bigger and easier to do, and then you won't be able to itemize. So that's what happened to me. What does itemize mean? Instead of taking the standard deduction, you itemize your tax return, which means taking all the individual tax deduction that you qualify for one by one. And it goes through 
Number four, being aware of popular tax deductions and credits. There's a lot of them. Depending on your age, adopting a child, college education, loss on stocks, when you sell capital locks, charitable contribution, child dependent care credit, which also includes senior citizens if you're taking care of a parent, child tax credit, elderly disabled, earned income credit, home office expenses, lifetime learning credit, medical expense, mortgage, property tax, residential energy tax credit, savers credit. The credit is generally what the government is trying to steer people to do. So they come up with a tax credit for it for, say, two years or five years or a period of time. And then after that, it expires and you can't take it no more. Keeping the tax records, knowing... Number five, knowing what tax records to keep. Keeping tax returns and documents you use to complete them is critical if you're ever audited. Typically, the IRS has three years to decide whether to audit your return, so keep your records for at least three years. You should also hang on to tax records for three years if you file a claim for a credit or refund after you filed your original return. That's three years after you filed the amendment return. Keep records longer in certain case. Any of these circumstances apply. The IRS has a longer limit on auditing you. Six years if you underreported your income by more than 25%. Seven years if you wrote off the loss from a worthless security. And definitely if you committed tax fraud or if you didn't file a tax return. In my past history of being an accountant and doing taxes, people who generally don't file a tax return generally don't have any records. So seven years, if you have a stock that became worthless and you write it off as a bad debt, a bad investment, then seven years from the year that you filed that return. Tax strategies to shelter income or cut your tax bill. Tweak your W-4. Tells your employer how much to withhold from your paycheck. Your employer remits the tax to the IRS on your behalf. And we talked about that earlier. If you're getting a big, huge refund and you, you shouldn't be, prepare a new W-4, have less withheld. You could put money into any retirement plan, a 401k, an IRA, and that's going to be an adjustment to your income, which will reduce your income taxes, so that money you're not you're deferring your tax payment on that money in a retirement account. Five twenty nine account for uh, savings for your children's college, flexible spending account. All this is depending if your employer has these options for you. You have a health care savings account, which is good. If you're, say, 50 years old and you're going to retire in the next 15 years and your employer offers a health savings account, you can maximize what you're allowed to put in there every year and don't use it and carry it forward, then retire, you'll have money that you can use for your medical expenses that is tax-free. If they're offering you an account where it's a use it or lose it, that's a very important question to ask. 
If your HR person is telling you we have this for you, your number one question is, if I don't use it this year when I make the contributions to it, can I carry that forward indefinitely? If the answer is no, it may not be a good thing for you to do unless you know you have medical expenses exceeding the amount you're going to put in there. You don't want to put money into account to defer your taxes and then at the end of the year lose it because you didn't use it. That would be a waste of money. So that's all I have with tax planning. And again, as I said earlier, if you have somebody preparing your taxes, they will probably already helping you do this and you may not be aware of it. So that's where I would start. Go online, do yourself some research on the internet, get a better knowledge of what taxes are all about. If you know nothing about taxes, go to the irs.gov and you can read. They got publications on all kinds of stuff and you can read all about it and get a better understanding of what your taxes are all about. Okay, next up, I'm going to be talking about estate planning. And it's not estate tax planning, it's estate planning. You may not have, a, your state may not owe taxes. But if you are living now and you own anything, when you pass away, whether it's an accident, health issue, or whatever, when you die, there will there will be a estate. Believe it or not, you have an estate, and I got this from estateplanning.com. You should read it in its entirety, and I'm going to go over the basics. In fact, nearly everyone does. Your estate is comprised of everything you own, your car, home, or other real estate. Checking, savings, investments, life insurance, furniture, personal professions. No matter how large or how modest, everyone has an estate and something in common. You can, cannot take it with you when you die. When that happens, and it is a when and not an if, you probably want to control how these things are giving to people or organizations you care most about. To ensure your wishes are carried out, you need to provide instructions stating whom you want to receive some of yours, what you want them to receive, and when they are to receive it. You will, of course, want this to happen with the least amount paid in taxes, legal fees, and court costs. So if you don't have any estate planning at all, it's going to go to probate court, it's going to be public information, and it's going to be bogged down for a long period of time. In fact, they're going to make you wait at least six months, not longer. So if you have money in a checking account that's in your name only, that's going to be tied up for six months before it can go to your whoever you want it to go, whether it's your wife or children or whatever. What is estate planning, making a plan in advance and naming who you want to receive the things you own after you die? However, good estate planning is much more than that. It should also include instructions for passing your values, religion, education, hard work, etc., in addition to your valuables. 
include instructions for your care if you become disabled before you die, name a guardian and an inheritance manager for minor children, provide for family members with special needs without disrupting government benefits, provide for loved ones who might be irresponsible with money who may need future protection from creditors or divorce, include life insurance to provide your family at death, disability income insurance to replace your income if you cannot work due to illness or injury, and long-term care insurance to help pay for your care in case of extended injury or illness. Provide for transfer of your business at your retirement, disability, or death. Minimize taxes, court costs, and unnecessary legal fees. Be an ongoing progress, not a one-time event. Your plan should be reviewed and updated as your family and financial situation and laws change over your lifetime. Estate planning is for everybody. Too many people don't plan. If you don't have a plan, your state has one for you, but you probably won't like it. An estate plan begins with a will or living trust, at least a will. A living trust if you have considerable amount of property, things of value. Planning your estate would help you organize your records and correct titles and beneficiary destinations. Estate planning doesn't have to be expensive. The best time to plan your estate is now. The best benefit is peace of mind. If you're married, the state, most states have common law. If you're married and you pass away, your spouse is automatically going to, your assets is going to automatically pass to your spouse. But again, if you don't have a will, it's got to go to probate court. The judge determines that. Anybody can contest it. Let's say that you are married, but separated, working on a divorce, have a new girlfriend. You tell the new girlfriend, if I die, you get everything, but you're not legally divorced yet. It's going to be contested in court. Put it in writing. And you have a better case of getting what you want your assets to go when you pass away. Whether it's a sudden or long-term illness. So there's a lot there. And estate planning also includes estate tax planning. It's not included here. The, The limits are so high, most people are not subject to it at the federal level. And even at the state level, there's not much to worry about for most average person. But if you have millions and billions of dollars, then you definitely would have estate tax planning and you definitely would have a lot of estate plannings. And there's a lot of tools to use to get the job done, as they say. Starting with my next episode, I'm going to concentrate more on helping people reduce their debt. The primary purpose of creating this podcast is to help people reduce their debt. And as I go through the process myself, which I'm pretty much almost done with it, but I'm going to pass off, pass along my knowledge on how and what I did to help others who are struggling like I was.
That's the end of another episode. I hope you found it useful. And if you'd like to share this episode with your friends, please do so. I'm open for any suggestions for improvement or for information that you would like to talk about in future episodes. You can go to my Facebook page and leave me a message. I'm more than glad to comply. To find my Facebook page, go to ReducedDebtIncreasedWealth.com and click on the Facebook icon to go to my Facebook website.